Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Water Sport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. <laughs> All right, get it recorded. Yeah, because well, do people do that all the time, man? Do they fuck your name up and call you Peter Simey? Uh, they fuck, people fuck me up all the time, all the time, just calling me everything. <laughs> normally, <laughs> normally, really bad words. So you'll be you'll be in good company. Listen, you got so many fucking books back there, man. Is that like a leaders or readers thing, or do you just fucking keep all those back there for show? Do you, no, do you I didn't go to school, so I had to read to catch up because I didn't go to school. So it was all a big catch. Going up to job. school. Yeah, missed that bit out. Oh, man, wow. what are you, about 60 years old? What fucking school you go to, man? No, I left when I was six, but I left when I was very young. <laughs> You're like the fucking Doogie Howser of Scotland. <laughs> he's real young, man. He's like, he's like 13, guys. That's why. you know, Don't let the deep Scottish voice fool you. He's like real young. That's why I'm so shocked he's back in school. I wish I, wish I was real young. I really do. Hey, you're handsome though, and you're smart. So whatever you make up for in your age, man, you 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 make up for in wisdom and great looks, my friend. Yeah. How do you get wisdom though by messing things up a lot? Yeah, isn't that right, man? So tell us, Peter. Peter, what man? Like, let's let's get an intro from you. What, what do you? What is exactly that that you do, my friend? Uh, well, I started guiding way back in 1984, but not commercially. I was in the military at the time, and they were crazy enough to pay me to take a couple of years off and guide people in the mountains. So between 84 and 86, I guided virtually every day of those two years, either kayak guiding, mountaineering guiding, climbing guiding. And that's probably what gave me the taste for the second. So, so really quick. Can can we just can we like extrapolate a little bit out of that because for a lot of our for a lot of the the listeners here in the states many of them not may not be world world travelers like I myself have never been on a guided hike through the mountains like how long yeah. is this a multi day hike these these rafting trips are they multi day or are they single day? Uh, both. Uh, when I started out, it was mainly teaching single day day trips, and then we progressed to short trips, two three days, then progressed to two three weeks, then progressed to two three months. So it's a kind of ladder effect. Once you once you get into day tours, many operators, not all by any means, but many operators make a logical step to then expand into multi-day. And multi-day can be incredibly profitable if you get it right. It can also be incredibly annoying if you get it wrong. Uh, so both, both day tours and multi-day. So um, I want to have a follow-up question to this because I just want to get a little bit of a sense, right? So in, in water sports, we're kind of like – we're talking from a very – from a very niche perspective, what tour means, what rental means, what tourism yeah. means in our sector. So for so so I had this conversation at Arrival and we were talking about OTAs. So OTAs overseas, you guys play a much different role. Now is that is because of the it's like the actual cost per click on Google for a multi-day tour extremely expensive. Why can't some of these guides budget aside tangle with get your guide and everybody else on acquiring because I'm assuming a multi-day tour would be a high ticket price. A multi-day tour might be in the thousands of dollars. So anything and to me, and maybe I'm just wrong here, let's say it's a thousand dollars. So anything short of 
$300 to acquire a customer, if you're paying 30% to get your guide, that's a gamble I'd be willing to sort of make, at least 100 or 200 no? Yeah, get your guide in the OTAs are not really good at selling multi-day tours. There is okay. you've got one called Tour Radar that's a sort of niche specialist in multi-day tours. That's all they do. Uh, so most of the OTAs are not good at, at selling uh, multi-day tours. And most operators don't really list their multi-day tours on OTAs uh, because on the whole, they can normally fill them themselves. And the, the cost of acquiring is different from every tour operator. I normally run at about $60 to $100 to acquire a customer for a multi-day tour. But the multi-day tours retailing at five and a half to fifteen thousand dollars so it's, right. it's nothing so, so the OTAs are not about with day tours more complex than a day tour and if you think of the issues that operators have with OTAs selling day tours once you lay a multi-day on it's much more complex so the customer has much more questions and OTAs are not good at answering questions sure. So then why why is there such why is there such a problem overseas? Like why is it such why is it so problematic? Why does everybody care about OTA so much? Why aren't tour operators in overseas in Europe? I'll just say in Europe, why are is there are they so beholden to OTAs? Why can't they just focus on direct marketing, pay-per-click on Google, remarketing on social? Yeah, that they are and they're not. You have to dig a bit deeper than that than just say tour operators in Europe. Because you have to look at what product, what experience are they selling. So a tour operator, like one of my businesses is a rafting business, so water sports. So a rafting business out on a river in a rural location is a very different business from a tour operator who's selling a food food tour in Rome or Paris or Naples or selling the Louvre and museum tours in the city centres. My competition out in the rural areas of Scotland, there's nothing like the competition I'd get in the centre of Paris. Therefore, I can dominate direct bookings, whereas I'm in the centre of Paris with the best SEO in the world and a lot of spend, I'm competing against companies who can outspend me, out-engineer me, out-SEO me. So it just depends on your product selection and your experience, depending on how much you're going to have to rely on, rely on OTAs. And that comes to a really good point where a lot of operators don't do, especially when they open up, when they're new. They don't spend enough time on product selection or experience selection, the default to what interests them or what fascinates them without actually checking what the market is. Because if you're going to build another food tour in Rome on top of the 250 food tours that's already there, or the 6,000 Viator listings that are on for Rome for walking tours, you're going to have to do something special to stand out on that. But if you create a unique product in a different location, it's a lot easier to stand out. You may not get the same volume, but it's a lot easier to stand out and a lot easier to be profitable as well. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for the month, the VomMac Agency. VomMac is a full-service digital marketing agency with a focus on tour and activity operators. They offer it all. SEO, websites, pay-per-clicks, logos, content writing. If it's online marketing, they got you covered. As we mentioned before, it's uber important to hire an agency that understands our industry. And the VomMac Agency knows water sports. Trust me. And they do all the shit that you don't want to do. They do all the shit that you're probably 
probably not very good at, and they are. Look, for listeners of the show, Merica herself is giving a free consult, all right? If nothing else, give her a shout, give her a call, take 30 minutes out of your day. More importantly, take 30 minutes out of her day so she can get you straight on your marketing needs. That's right. What do you have to lose? Head to VonMacAgency.com and go to the Contact Us page to get started. Again, VonMacAgency.com. And most importantly, let them know you were sent by the AWG guys. All right, let's get back to the show. While we were, now all three of us were at the Ravel Conference in San Diego uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the themes I heard kept hearing about is, you know, these single operators that are trying to get to that next phase, basically firing themselves, yep. hiring the ne- that next person and scaling from there. Like they just don't know how to take that next step. I heard fi- that the financing, their business was a, a challenge. I heard that uh, finding that next employee that they can actually delegate and can provide that same experience. So Peter, Walk us through. I mean, you have so much experience. You're you're a figurehead in in the tours and activities community. Like, where would you start as a single operator, ready to make that next move? Like, you have just enough money to maybe hire that second person. Like, where do you go from there? What are some things that you need to think? You think as a as a single owned standalone operator wanting to scale, you have to make one decision and one decision first. What are you good at, and what do you want to spend the rest of your time doing? That's the number one decision. Because you can't get that wrong. You get that wrong, you're going to get it messed up. So some operators are always going to be the best at operations and guiding. They're just brilliant at operations, looking after people and guiding. Other operators have a lean towards the business side. And and if they didn't guide a few more any customers anymore, they wouldn't be overly upset about that. So you've got to decide, do you want to be in the operations or do you want to be inside the business side of it because as you scale you can't be in both it's just you just can't lower across both you need to bring in people so you're going to bring somebody in are you bringing in somebody who's going to replace you in the operations and the guiding or are you bringing in someone who's going to replace you in the business side free up all your time to run the operation and guiding you don't get that correct you're building from a broken foundation straight away i'd like i'd like to add to that I, and and i think like now, say what you will about partners, but there's there's some studies st- such and so forth out there that says businesses with partners are sixty percent, you know, sixty percent likelier to succeed. So I, nobody likes to give away equity. Everyone wants to keep their equity, but at the same point in time, you know, you can have half a piece of a small pie, or a hundred percent of a small pie, or a very or fifty percent of a very larger piece of pie. So as you as you start to scale, or possibly get into other um, into other niches related to your own, hopefully. Um, like Peter said, he does rafting, but he also does, he does hiking. Uh, I'm assuming at some point you, Pete, you're probably a pretty smart guy. You probably didn't give away a ton of equity. You probably hired somebody smart to, to execute for you, but you have to, you say hundred percent, right. You have to have somebody that is very good at doing the things that you don't like to do. They have to be an executor for all the shit that you hate. And, Pete, if you could tell me a little bit, I mean, did you, I mean, do you agree, disagree? Did you have partners? Did you always try and hold on to equity? Like what was your strategy scaling and, 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 and not, you know, diversifying and not giving away a bunch of equity or giving away. I've tried it. I've tried it always with different businesses. So rafting business, when I took that on, first thing I did in the rafting business in day one was hire a couple of staff because I didn't want to be running rafts down the river. 
because I knew I couldn't. I knew that business had the ability to scale and be a decent cash flow business. I didn't want to be running rafts in a river, so I hired couple of guides who I knew were operational re- really good. That freed up my time to work full-time on the business side of it. To, and within weeks and months, we had five guys, six guys. So I'm, I've always learned, even though I'm trained as a guide and I've guided thousands and thousands of clients, my bent has always been on the business side. That's where I get excited more than guiding more clients. So I was replaced myself from the operations when I could free up on the business side with regards partners i've have I've had a moroccan business where i brought partners in another rafting business where i brought partners in i've always struggled with partners got to put that up hand i do agree with you i think if you're scaling a business seriously you need a partner right and i'm quite happy to say i've always struggled with partners maybe my selection of partners has been rubbish or <laughs> uh, maybe been too controlling or maybe not or whatever it is <laughs> My partners love me, man. Yeah. Partners are a difficult thing to get right, but when you do get it right, your business is a better business. There is no doubt about that. A business with strong partners, two or three, is going to be a stronger business than an individual. You are a liability as an individual. Me running businesses alone in multiple countries as the sole director is a complete liability because if I get taken out, and some of the stuff I get up to, I could get taken out any of the time. And the businesses are they're broken. You take a successful business and they'll be broken overnight if you haven't got partners in them. So it depends about how much one is scale. You see tour operators all the time say, oh, we want to scale a business. But scaling to one might mean half a million dollars, a million dollars. Scaling to another one might mean $25 million. Scaling to another one might mean $100 million operating in 60 countries. So you've got to decide what your ambition is to be able to lay down the foundations of scaling that business to it. But if I was building again, I would bring in partners. I'd just be better at the partners I brought in. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the it's one of the things that like I, I we got we have one business where I have like equal. You know, we have equal share. But when I started our first one, I knew how controlling I was. And I said, listen, we can chop up the pie however you guys want. I'm not a greedy person. I don't, you know, I'm driven by passion first, money second, always. Uh, But I said, I am very controlled. And I am going to have control. However, we guys want to figure this out. But I have to have the final say. I would rather rather die on a hill than give it up. (laughs) Even though it could be to my detriment sometimes. But but still, so I feel you. I want to I want to take a turn on this, and I want to bring up something we talked about at Arrival, um, which I thought was really awesome that you did during COVID. I was one of the people that that called you. I wasn't too worried about my business. I was actually probably one of the very few people that felt like I was going to do okay, that we were going to be okay, um, and we were, thank God. But I took you up on your offer only because I wanted to talk to you because you seemed like a very interesting guy in the tourpreneur group. You seemed really smart, and I was like, man. If I can steal this guy's time for 20 minutes, like I've got to steal it. I didn't want to steal it away from another operator. I just had to talk to you, but I thought it was really cool. So Pete offered up his time to all the people that were struggling during COVID in the sector. And he took a, he took his time. He looked into their businesses. He looked at their websites. You know, I, I don't like you and I didn't talk for that long. Um, I, th- I think you like kind of just you say, yeah, your website looks good. Your socials look good. It, you know, if, if, if you guys are strong drive in market, you're probably going to be OK. So um, I first of all, thank you. And I appreciate that timeshare. Um, you know, I mean, why? Why did you why did you do that? Uh, a bit of giving back, but 
I'd been there before. I was operating in 2008 when the financial crash hit. And at that time, my business was exposed. 65% of the profit was coming in from corporate companies. So we lost 65% of our profit in 24 hours. Because when the financial crisis hit the UK and the banks went down, my, that corporate business went. So I had a rescue job to do back in 2008, which meant closing multiple sites, laying off multiple people. In hindsight, it was a great thing because I moved everything onto the cloud. I went on a res systems in 2008. So a disaster that forced me to change a lot of my business processes and the flexibility and resilience was my business. So I learned a lot of lessons in 2008. So when COVID hit, I thought I knew what was coming. I was sort of knew what was coming. I did not know two years of chaos was coming, but I knew what was coming that operators were going to have to deal with. So within a week, I had fixed everything that in my businesses I could deal with. I shut down what I knew I had to shut down. I sorted the finance within. I laid off people I had to lay off. That was all done within days. So my time was free, basically, to give back to the the industry that I've spent all my life in and loved and hopefully helped a few people structure the business in a way that if they're still standing today, they did well. I know many are not. I spoke to two hundred, just under 250 operators. I've done a check on a lot of them. A lot of them are not here anymore. They've gone. Uh, but the ones that are still standing, outstanding job. They're still here after two years of chaos. Yeah, actually, a majority of our our partners on TripShock that left us during COVID were the single <laughs> single operators that we're talking about today. Um, you know, they're well, they're they're in the best position to pivot because they're it's just themselves. You know, they can shut it down or pause the business and get a job until. Yeah this all blows over and then come, come back. But you know, that's, that's an important part. Like important topic is that when you're making that decision, like a lot of tour operators, they, they might run tours Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they work a nine to five job for the rest of the week. And I, I hear one of the, uh, your workshop, Kevin, one of the uh, people in that uh, workshop was saying, well, I got a job and I, I don't want to quit my job because I need that income, but I want to scale my tour business up. Well, you have to make a decision. Yeah. Either you're going to go with your tour business or you're going to do your job because you're never going to be able to put all that time in. Now, you could um, you know, start hiring people to re- replace yourself for, for your job, but you're never going to give it the time it needs unless you take that leap and, and really because you can, you can save a lot of money. You can do a lot of things with nothing. I mean, I scaled TripShock up with almost nothing. We didn't have, we didn't start getting bank financing till much later. We never took any VC. Most of it was just grind, <laughs> literally like finding ways, finding ways to make things work. And and that's kind of like one of the bigger messages here is um, money doesn't solve everything when you're trying to build your business. Like it actually makes you even more creative. Yeah. You can't, you can't build a scale business. You can't build a scale tour operating business and hold down a, a job as well. It's just not going to happen. And at some point, if it's your desire, if it's not your desire, that's fine. But if it's your desire, you've got to grow a pair of balls and jump full into it and and go. And and if you've got bills to pay and you will create bills to pay, there's no bigger incentive than to get your marketing and selling than seeing all the bills coming in. You've got to go out and create that money to pay them. And that's what what this game is. If If you want to be a business owner, that's the game you're in. Any questioning on that, you've got to question, is business really for you? You just you just said one of Kevin's buzzwords, selling. 
getting out there and selling. Kevin likes that. Yeah, I I, I do because I think like I, and and I was like I, I was I didn't really go to like a lot of the sessions at this year's at this year's conference at, at arrival because I I have been so focused on selling like getting back to what it is like how Greg I've been ever since this conversation started. Like I've, I've been, I had a revigor back on the phones. I've been answering phones, you know, Steve was having, like, we're obviously recording. I've been listening to all the recordings of our staff and the conversations that they're having, the pain points they're having. And I get back on the phone. I'm like, shit, I forgot. I, I love selling. Well, four days into it, with our phone rings so much. I realized how much I hate it. I'm like, oh my God, they're calling to ask me about Crab Island again. I can't, I can't be like a tour with that. Like, you know, like if you guys, like I'll tell them in the middle of the funnel, I'm, I'm willing to take that phone conversation, but it is, it's really, it's so important, you know, and like, I want to kind of double back to when you guys were like talking about, and, and the thing is like, it, look, if you got to use like whatever, whatever assets you have at your disposal, you got a, you got a wife, you know, then, and you want to start a business. I was really lucky. My wife stayed working. She still works to this day and she worked full time. It, it is not easy. And as Peter said, like, you know, my wife works full time. I work seven days a week on my business. Uh, I'll bring my kids to work with me. I, I mean, I, I've gone into, I've gone into things holding my baby in my hand, like, you know, buying a boat or something like that. So it, it's like, if you're not 100% all in and, and, and you're worried about a safety net or something like this, like have, you know, your wife can work. I And I see a lot of couples that are full-time in their business. And I see a lot of couples that have done what we do, Ben and Amber, uh, friends of ours, Peter, uh, that Ben been on the show. But they, um, you know, his wife worked actually for TripShock. You know, she worked at TripShock answering phones. So there's this, there's a myriad of things that that you can do to figure out how you can scale. But to Pete's point, if you're, if you are worried about if you're making a decision for your 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 like let's say uh, a a dock rent for water sports, you know we have to rent docks. So if you're worried about your dock rent versus your fucking mortgage, man, that's a very very difficult place to be, and it's it's going to be nearly impossible to scale if you have to make those two decisions unless you are willing to live on your boat and you're willing to burn the boats. You know, at the end of the day, you have to be able to burn your escape boats. You have to burn your boats. You have to burn your bridges. You have to have only one way, and that's up, and that's vertical. So, One of the things I keep seeing time and time again for operators is they haven't tested their market. They don't actually know what their market is, what the total addressable size of their market is. And and I'm not talking the global market because if you're an operator in Town X in Florida, you've got an addressable market of Y of the incoming people and a certain radius around you. So operators haven't really spent a lot of time looking at the total addressable market to let them know what is available for them for them to hit. What they do spend a lot of time on is and money is developing tours and developing great experiences. And I'm not criticizing that because that's the game we're in. That's fantastic. But I've seen operators spend up to a year and a lot of money developing a fantastic experience without finding out if the market wants it <laughs> or tests it. Whereas you throw a couple of hundred bucks on PPC, Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever, just make the tour up. You don't need to build the thing. You just need to take it out of your brain, stick it on some marketing and see if it sells. And if it sells, well, start building quickly. And if it doesn't sell, you've just saved yourself a shitload of cash and time. And, and it's, as much focus that is applied to tour building and tour experiences in today's digital world has to be applied to marketing and sales. 
same amount of effort, skill, innovation, ballsiness that people apply to their tours, they need to get it in their head that that needs to go to marketing and sales as well. And if it's not them, well, they need someone in the team that can do that for them. Man, Pete, I I, I love man. I'm so happy you came on the show, man. <laughs> I really do, man. Like you know, the things you say, man, have just they like rhyme with things that happen in my business and in my head. Like I've I've only been in business for five years, so to to have a guy like you, you know, you've been on you've been in business, God, forty years going on, and 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 to just you know, I just appreciate a you giving all the advice that you do and being an advocate for tours and operators. Um, I try to, I try to be that as well, even though I've only been in business for five years, I try and share with people the knowledge that I have, but I just want to thank you for taking your time during COVID for taking your time to come on the show and, and the advocacy and, and man, every success and accolade that you have, man, you absolutely deserve You're, you're, you're a smart guy, man. How can, how can people reach out to you and how can people find you? Easiest place is uh, LinkedIn. I've got a website, petersign.com, but uh, to be honest, LinkedIn's better because it acts as a big database. And when we're on LinkedIn, how many tour operators use LinkedIn to get business? Very few. It is a goldmine of corporate business. High-paying clients, hundreds of millions of them, are on LinkedIn, but it's the least used social media. But I diverse. The easiest place to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Man. I see you hiding out in the Facebook groups every now and then. Every now and again, I drop back into Facebook. I see, I see, I see a, a good comment from Peter. Yeah, when I, especially when it's OTA or, 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 or if it's beer or beer related. Having a pint. Anytime there's like a pint <laughs> offer, he like chimes in. He's like, oh, I'm in for a point. <laughs> <laughs> man, you're my brother from another mother, man. Two good looking <laughs> young guys like this. I love it. I got to come to Scotland and fucking hang out with you. Uninvited. I'm just going to show up at your door. It's evening, <laughs> evening in Scotland. You always got to have a beer in the evening. Yeah. That's right. Well, hey, so uh, make sure you head over to our Water Sport and Tour Professionals Facebook group. Join that group. I believe Peter's in there. If not, then he's going to be jumping in. Peter, yeah. you're in that group, right? I'm in yeah, that group. In that group. I've, I've not been commenting, but I will jump in if there's questions there, sure. Yeah, for sure. And if you haven't, get on there and review our podcast, please. God, Spotify, fucking man. Apple. It's Come on now. Get some absurd, reviews. Man. We need some reviews here. We live and die by these damn reviews, man. I think we got like one from Brian. Like I, I'm going to call out on my personal friends that are in that group that own businesses that have not given me a fucking review. Like, come <laughs> on, man. So, you know, you know, these other podcasts that I'm on, I get an email afterwards. We're going to start doing this, Kevin. And they basically like solicit me for reviews afterward. I need, we need to start doing that. So Peter, you might be getting a review for us. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, email for us. <laughs> Get an email going out on you for people and then do 15 follow-ups. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, so 15 follow-ups. People going about business. An operator said today, oh, we haven't got time to do the follow-ups. How can you not have time not to do follow-ups? I <laughs> <laughs> We chase 15 times before we start getting up worried about it. Chase, chase, chase. Close the deal. Fucking That's right, man. Ask for the sale, motherfuckers. Ask for the sale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. As always, keep it awkward. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Water Sport and Boat Tour Operators, to continue the conversation. See you next time.